0: Welcome to the Overflow Podcast. We pray you are encouraged by this message. For more info, notes, or other messages, visit our website at overflowdfw.com. You know, there is a lot of shaking going on, right? It's no secret. We're all kind of dealing with this This stuff this drama that's going on and as a pastor not just a pastor but just as a believer as a lover of humanity and a lover of people like I'm I'm ultra concerned about the lives of many like I I'm, I'm just seriously concerned about people that I haven't heard from in several months is anybody else like that like I mean it's it's been six months since I've seen certain people or heard even a peep from some people and so I, I'm, I'm very concerned I'm concerned about the body of Christ I'm concerned about you I'm concerned about people that have have lost jobs. I'm concerned about people that have been sick, and I, I'm just mostly concerned about people's spiritual walk, and uh, that many people have, have chosen this time as just a, a time to kind of check out from God, and what that tells me is, first of all, is that their relationship with God was probably a little bit too much connected to Simply going to church, right? You need church; it needs to be a part of your life. But some people that that is their relationship with God, and how many of you know that's not a very deep relationship, right? It's like saying it's like looking at pictures of my wife and saying I have a relationship with her. It's a little bit different than that, but uh, man, it, it's not just it's not just people in general and church goers. I've known several pastors that I've known personally over the last six months have just dropped out of the ministry. I mean, it is it is critical. We are living in a in a critical time as life is interrupted. And and the way that we look at is so different, whether it be the virus or the economy or the drama or the, the theories that are going on, we're all struggling with grief. Right, I was able to to identify like, what am I dealing, Lord? What am I feeling? I, I was dealing in June. I was going, what, what is going on? Like, I, I, what do I feel? Like, like I, I have have ambition. Like, I feel like God still called us. I'm I'm not going anywhere. But but what is going on inside of me? And then I, I watched this video and this guy was talking about grief, and I was like, that's what I'm experiencing. I feel like someone has stole part of my year. Am I the only one? And and I feel like that I, I've just been robbed. And uh, we had all these dreams and these visions and this ambition. We're gonna raise two hundred thousand dollars this year to get a new building. We're gonna baptize fifty people this year. We're gonna take a hundred people through our deeper track. All this kind of, all these, all these visions that I've had, and all these dreams that I have, and I feel like that that life just stopped and I wasn't able to accomplish that. Does anybody is anybody else experiencing grief during this time? And you know, listen, it doesn't mean something's wrong with you if you don't if you experience grief, right? We all deal with this. So. so we're grieving. We feel aimless. Some of us feel imprisoned. Does anybody else feel like that? Like you just, you know, you can't leave the house. And 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 now we've been programmed that if you go out, you're going to get sick. You know, especially if we go to church, right? People go to Walmart, but they can't go to church, which concerns me. Um, and, and let me just remind you, this is an electioneer. year. Things are going to get more heated. I mean, you watch November. It doesn't matter who wins. Yeah. Look for more drama than we've ever experienced as a nation. Yeah. I mean, we are already in a really kind of rough spot as a nation. Just wait till November gets here. And that's not a political statement. It doesn't matter what side of the aisle you're on. Right. Yeah. Maybe you're right in the middle of the aisle. It doesn't matter. It is going to be dramatic come November. Yeah. Dramatic. And so what's important is during these shakable times, during these times when everything is being shaken, right? Everything is being shaken up, right? There's a whole lot of shaking going on. What's important is that we are not shaken. Yeah. Yeah. It doesn't mean that we're not affected. It doesn't mean that we're not disturbed a little bit, but our lives aren't shaken. Yeah. Right. And some of you have been shaken. Yeah. And it's, some of that's good because the unshakable things remain, that's <laughs> Right? The unshakable things remain, and so some of those things that have dropped off your life—it's good, yes. right? Yeah. And hopefully, you have something there. And I'm concerned that we're spiritually malnourished, you know. And and listen, it's not just about church attendance. Church attendance is critical. It's it's absolutely critical. I, I don't mind saying that. You don't have to be a Christian to go to church. I'd say study the Bible and look what they did. They did life together. You can't, you can't follow New Testament Christianity without having a community to belong to. And and so I'm, I'm not, but I'm saying if that's the only thing that you do, then you've got issues. If the only thing that you're doing to nourish your spiritual walk is listen to podcasts, right. come on. And you're not spending time with Jesus. All you're doing is taking supplements. You need to eat some meat. Yeah. Church, listen, church is phenomenal. It's critical, but it is a supplement. Right. You relate to supplement your relationship with the Lord. And let me just say this as we're talking about shaking. The enemy is always sifting. He's always shaking us. Don't, Don't be surprised. It's interesting when the devil does something, we blame God for it. And then when God does something, we blame the devil for it, right? And so we kind of get into this blame game thing. But listen, the, the enemy is always always stirring the pot. He's always shaking. In fact, Jesus is talking to Peter in Luke chapter 22, verse 31. And he says this, Simon, Simon, Satan has asked to sift you as wheat. Sift, a, sift of you as wheat. And this is what he says. I've prayed for you. I prayed for you, Peter, that your faith won't fail. I believe that the Lord, the great intercessor, is before the throne of grace. As it tells us in Hebrews, that Jesus is before the Father, and he's saying, Lord, don't let their faith fail. Don't let their love grow cold. I believe Jesus is praying for you in this hour. He's praying for us in this hour. He's saying, Lord, I pray that their faith will not fail. So the enemy is always doing something. But can I tell you today that sometimes the Lord is doing a shaking. And I think all of the shaking that's happening right now isn't just the devil. I think God is also shaking some things up. Could it be that God is shaking us up? Could it be God is shaking you in your life to see what will remain? You know, Jesus said this in John chapter 10. He said, he said that I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword. Right? We we like to ignore these passages where Jesus is <laughs> not acting like Jesus. He's just acting like the Jesus that you've made up. Right. Or the Jesus that suits your agenda. Yeah. But he said he said I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. Yeah. John the Baptist said this about in Matthew chapter 3, verse 12. He says that he's, he's coming, and he has like a pitchfork in his hand, and he's going to separate the wheat from the chaff. This is a separating moment. So I'm not sure about the shaking that's happening in your life. I'm not sure if it's the devil or it's Jesus. But I do know this, that God will use the shaking regardless of the source to refine you. He will use this. Beloved, don't allow this season to define you, but allow it to refine you. Allow it to get rid of some of the junk and some of the issues and some of the lack of unbelief and some of the fear. Allow it to get rid of all that in your life that only the unshakable remains. Will you do that? Will you allow the Lord to stir you during this time? I pray. I pray the same prayer that Jesus prayed. I pray that your faith will remain. That you have an unshakable faith. Yeah. By the way, the only way to have a shakable faith is when you have faith in the wrong thing. Yeah, you have faith in a circumstance, you have faith in a person. Yeah. All right. You have faith in a job. You have faith in a government. Right, yeah. That's that's grounds for having a shaky faith. But if you want an unshaky faith, then you gotta have faith in the unshaking one. Yeah. And I believe this with all my heart that this is a a moment where the Lord is asking, who will you serve? This is a who will you serve moment. I'm disturbed by social media just in general, but specifically how many people have an ism besides their name that isn't kingdomism, right? All the isms, liberalism, conservatism, republicanism, Americanism, patriotism, but where's the Jesus-ism in your timeline? And I'm not just talking about your social media. What about your life? What does your life speak the loudest of? What is your identity? What is the ism of your life? What is the ism? Who will you serve? And so there's this moment in 1 Kings chapter 18 with Elijah. And King Ahab is, is a wicked king. And he has a, a servant named Obadiah that's serving under him who loves the Lord. And they're going out like the nation is in drought. They're saying, what's, what's going to happen here? And so they go out looking for Elijah because even though Ahab was wicked, he knew that Elijah knew how to hear from the Lord. Yeah, right, yeah. Come on, that's so good. Sometimes people will seek you out just because you have a connection with God. So be available when that happens. And so here's Elijah, not very available. And they go and they search the land. And and there's this this verse that says this in the story that's incredible. It says that Obadiah went one way and Ahab went the other. And I was like, man, does that speak of their life? And so they find Elijah and Ahab, King Ahab goes to him. and goes, there's the troubler of Israel. And he looks at him and goes, listen, bro, you're the troubler. You're the reason why there is trouble in Israel. Because you've been serving other gods. You've been bowing before other gods. So what they decide to do is Ahab calls all the people Elijah and says, get them all here. And it says all of Israel came. And they're all gathered around this mountain called Mount Carmel. And there's all these, these prophets of the false gods, Baal there and and so he calls them all in there's some other gods that are there and he brings them all in and then there's one prophet of god elijah so he's like totally outnumbered it's crazy and so but elijah's calling the shots i love it how he just takes charge i love it when god's people just take charge yeah they don't get intimidated, they're just like this is what's gonna happen. Yeah. And so he says, Listen, what we're gonna do is we're gonna we're gonna have two sacrifices, and you guys can go first. I'll I'll let you go first. Just put your sacrifice on the altar and whatever God answers by fire, he's God. And so he tells, tells the worshipers of Baal, they put the sacrifice on the altar. He says, Go ahead, go ahead, call out, call out to your God. So they start, calling out, they start calling out to God. They're calling out to God, and nothing happens. There's no fire. There's no fire on their sacrifice. So all the people of Israel are like, Well, I guess which one? Which one's God? Which one's God? Which one's God? And so he starts antagonizing them. <laughs> I mean, not very Jesus like, right? He's like, Hey! <laughs> Why don't you cry out a little louder? I mean, they're like cutting themselves like, whoa, oh, answer us, Bill. He's like, maybe he's away on a long journey. Maybe he's pooping. I mean, he, he asks them that. Maybe he's out pooping. Maybe he's he's occupied with something. I mean, just totally antagonize them. And so it's his turn. And he says, listen, And I want you to look at what he says right here in verse 21, because this is really the point of this story. Elijah went before the people and said, how long will you waver between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal is God, follow him. So he's like, whichever God answers by fire, he's the one. And so it's his turn. And he says, don't just put my sacrifice on there, drench it in water. So they drench it with water. He's put some more water on it. They put more water on it. And then he calls out to God. And God answers by fire and consumes the sacrifice and consumes the water. And then this craziness continues. But I believe that we are in a moment just like Elijah had. How long will you waver? between two opinions. How long will you allow your faith to waver, to go back and forth? Oh, I'm over here. I'm serving God. Oh, it's so hard to serve God. I'm not serving God today. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read my Bible every day tomorrow. Oh, forgot. Grace, grace, grace. Listen, there is grace for it. But beloved, how long will you waver? How long will you allow your faith to waver? Who will you serve? If the Lord is God, then serve him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If he's God, then serve him. If Jesus is the Lord, like we says, say that he is. Like we agree that Jesus is Lord. If he is, then let's serve him. Let's quit playing games. Yeah. And so for me, in 1993, I'm driving around in my 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 Ford Taurus, my 1989 Ford Taurus. I think we got a picture of it. Do we have a picture of my 1989 Ford Taurus? Is that it? Yeah, is that a sweet ride? Come on, baby. Cruising the drag in Odessa, Texas, and that thing right there. Some of you are like, what's cruising the drag? Like. And so I remember I'd been in church for about two years. And, man, I learned how to play church really well. I'd come to church. I'd lift my hands. Woo! Come on. I'd go to youth group. All the kids thought I was, like, super Jesus guy. And at school, I was a totally different guy. I'd cruise around that car and smoke dope, hang out with my friends the weekends cruise the dragon, in odessa there wasn't much to do one of the things that you do is drive around you party or cruise the drag and the reason why you cruise the drag is so you can find out where the parties were and so some girls had visited our youth group now take in mind like we were we were like in youth group like super in like leading our ministry but i wasn't serving jesus i, I had everybody at church full i think i did I was doing a good job. I mean, I was like raising my hands. Come on, I was responding to the ministry time. I was going to Sunday school. I mean, I was like in church like more than you guys were. I was in church more in a week than you were in like two months. And I was like, I was there, but my heart wasn't there. I wasn't serving the Lord yeah. for two years. I had a, a lot of people fooled. And I remember one night I was we were cruising my car. Probably listen to like Guns N' Roses or you know Pearl Jam or something cruising around 93. About four tourists, and there's this girl that visited our youth group. And uh, let's just call her Angie. And so Angie's in my backseat. She's like, hey, it is that crazy find the party. And she makes this statement. She says, Josh. She didn't say it like that. She's like, Josh! <laughs> so different than you are at church and when she said that it was like a bullet went through the back seat into my heart and the holy spirit convicted me because in that moment she might have said josh you're totally different than you are at church what she was saying was this how long will you waver between two opinions if the lord is god then serve him and i remember that moment man that God speaking to me from this prophetess named Angie from the backseat. She didn't even know she was prophesying. And I remember just the guilt, good guilt. Come on, how many you know there's a, there's a difference between bad guilt and good guilt? It was a good guilt that set on my life for a couple of weeks. And I remember, I remember every night going home during that season and I would would crack open my Bible and I'd get before the Lord and I'd say, God, I want to know who you are. I've been in church. I've been singing about you. I've been talking to you, talking to people about you, but I want to know who you are. God totally wrecked my life totally transformed my life, but it was one of those moments, a who will you serve moment. Beloved, I believe that we are in an hour right now where God is saying that. He's saying it through the media outlets. He's saying it through pastors. He's saying it through the devotional you read. He is yelling in this hour, how long will you waver? How long will you limp around an altar to a false God? How long are you going to waver? If the Lord is God, then serve him. And there's a lot of people that are calling themselves Christians and they have a nominal Christianity. And they're real good churchgoers. Some of them even serve really well. They were just like I was. And they like Jesus, they're fans of Jesus. Jesus fits their political persuasion. So they quote Jesus, yeah. but they don't know him. I don't want to get before the Lord. And I won't get before the Lord and let him go, you quoted me really well. You were a social justice warrior. You know what he's gonna say? Depart from me, I never knew you. I don't want to get before the Lord and him go, who are you? When we stand before the Lord, this will be the pressing question: Do I know you? Do I know you? Is he the Lord? Do you know him as the Lord or you just know him from, as a historical figure right. that fits your narrative? Come on. I don't care how much you know about Jesus. I don't care. M- most of what you know about Jesus is probably secondhand. Listen, second-hand experiences aren't going to transform your life. You need first-hand encounters with the Lord. You need first-hand encounters with the Lord. And so Hebrews in chapter 12 is talking about Moses and how Moses went up to Mount Sinai and he encounters the Lord. But it says the people couldn't encounter the Lord, right? And we know with Jesus, we can encounter him. Like he's not off limits, right? On Sinai, it was, God was off limits. Through Jesus, we have full access, right? Right? So we have full access through Jesus according to what he did. And so in Hebrews, the author of Hebrews is talking about Sinai. And he's like, we we couldn't go. We couldn't approach. And this is what he says. But you, it's a little different. You've come to Mount Zion, the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly. See, you're not alone. To the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. Come on. (laughs) Is your name written in heaven? Come on. I don't don't care if the history books have my name in it. I want want the book in heaven to have my name on it. Come on. And he says this. He says, whose names are written in heaven, you have come to God, the judge of all. To the spirit of the righteous made perfect. To Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. Come on, we love that. And to, the, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks louder than the blood of Abel. You remember the blood of Abel was crying out from the ground. Yeah. Guilt. Yeah. Jesus' blood is spilling out from the ground innocent, right? Yeah. Okay. So he's the mediator of the new covenant. See to it that you do not refuse him who speaks. Jesus don't refuse him if they did not escape when they refused him who warned them on earth how much less will we if we turn away from him who warns us from heaven so he's like come on let's get on it let's do this at that time his voice shook the earth but now he has promised once more I will shake not only the earth but also the heavens The words once more indicate the removing of what can be shaken, that is, created things, so that what cannot be shaken may remain. Do you see this? God is shaking with his voice from heaven, he's shaking with his voice the earth. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom, (laughs) oh, love it, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful. Let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire. Now the consuming fire is in a good light because now he's approachable. So how... Do we embrace the unshakable, the unshakable life? How many of y'all want to be unshaken during this time? I I want to help you today. I want to help you. First of all, it's through the will of God, the will of God. See, some of you, you don't ever even think about what God's will for your life is. You just think about your will for your life. Or when you think about the will of God, you go, God, your will for my life What you need to say is, God, my life for your will. Whatever your will is, I'm I'm willing to abandon whatever hopes, dreams, ambition, personality traits. I'm willing to abandon it all, Lord, for you. Because it's my life for your will. It's not just about fitting you in my little pocket so I have a little token, get me out of hell free card. I want the will of God because the will of God is unshakable. First John two seventeen. the world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. I want to do the will of God. Sure, there's things that I want to do, I want to see, I want to experience. Absolutely, there's those things, but you know what I want more than any of it? I want to do God's will. I want to fulfill God's will. See, I, I, since this corona thing, I've been struggling as a pastor. It's, it's been hard, man. I mean, when we, when we broke, the, when we started talking about this six months ago, the staff, we had a meeting. You guys remember that? We had this meeting, and it was the best staff meeting we ever had. I was elated, man. I was like, yes, we're going to do it. We're going to go online. We're going to push content. Yes. And it was really good for about two weeks. And then fatigue set in. People aren't responding. People are disconnecting. People aren't watching service. We got to Mother's Day. We had low attendance online. We're like, oh my gosh, what's happening? And it never picked back up. We're like, what is happening? And so my heart starts breaking. I'm like, Well Lord, what is going on? Like, what's up with our people? But guess what? I, I know a lot of guys that have dropped out, and I'm like, listen, I'm not hating on them in any way. But I know a lot of guys that have dropped out over the last six months. I can I can tell you one thing, I ain't quitting because it was never my idea. That's right. good. It was never, I never had an idea. Move to the Metroplex and plant a church. No, that was not my plan. Yeah. No, thank you. No, thank you, God. Yeah. I mean, I had a plan. I thought, Lord, if you would do it this way, that would be easy. I'll do it. I'll do whatever's ever easy, Lord. He's not going to ask you to do what's easy. He's going to ask you to do what's impossible. Because that's, that's what requires faith. Right. See, some of you have a little, little, little bitty impact in what you're doing because it doesn't require any faith. Yeah. You're doing what you can do. I suggest that you do what only God can do. Yeah. That's when we get into the life of trust. <laughs> Come on, you okay? So I've been struggling, but there's no quit in me because in 1993, right after this thing in this car, a couple months later in June of 1993, I was at a, at a camp in West Texas, and I was, I was, at this time, I had started serving the Lord. I was all in. And I was going to be an architect. And then because I got saved, I was going to design churches. Right? Isn't that funny how we do that? We're going to do it for God now. <laughs> so I'm standing. We're praying for our youth pastor that was sick one night. And we're gathered around this junky building, hot, but God's moving. Yeah. We're praying around a bunch of young people. And God says, this is what you're doing. You're gathering people around me. This is what you're doing. So I can't quit. You can quit a job, but you can't quit a calling. So I'm like, okay. So guess what I've been doing for 27 years. I've been right. gathering people around the presence of the Lord. There's no quit in me. It wasn't my idea. I didn't sign. I, I, I didn't come up with the plan. I, I, I agreed to it. Kind of like, okay. I didn't even sign Josh Brown. I just said, okay. I wrote, okay. <laughs> okay. Dot, 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 right? I think. And then in 2012, I'm mowing the grass. And I had this moment, God's like, You're moving to the Metroplex and planting a church. I'm like, No, I'm not. I didn't say, No, I'm not. I said, I didn't say yes. I was like, Okay. (laughs) Right? So I'm not, I'm, I'm not going to quit. Am I boasting on me? No, I'm not boasting on me. I'm just saying well, when you're in the will of God, it's unshakable. It doesn't matter what happens. I'm going to do what God has called me to do until God calls me to do something else. And I'm not going to stop because it wasn't my plan to begin with. Do you see? It's easy for you to bail on your plans because it's a plan that you came up with. But when you get on God's plan, you realize I can't bail because this is the best thing I can do. Even if it looks little in the eyes of everybody else. Right. Yeah, that's good. This is what he built me for. And listen, it's not about what can I get away with. And some of you are living your Christian life like that. No, he is the Lord. It's not about what you can get away with. It's about I have a life that I want to honor the Lord. I want to honor the Lord. Listen, when I say that, it's not about legalism. It's not about earning the favor or the love of God. It's about Jesus being king and me saying, Lord, I really love you. So I'm just going to lay my life on the altar because I'm in love with you. And because Jesus, you laid your life on the altar. Because you sacrificed your life for me. How easy is it for me to give of my life for you? It's the greatest thing I could do for God. It's to just crawl on that altar and be a living sacrifice. See, I am most fulfilled when I'm fulfilling what he wants. That's why even though I can be grieving or troubled, I'm still fulfilled. Even in the midst of it. Listen, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not saying look at me because I, I don't always do it right. You can ask Leslie. She'll tell you. No, he doesn't. But I'm most fulfilled when I'm fulfilling his want. Understand his will is his want. Do you want what God wants? And I'm using that word because we use the word will and we kind of lose sight of what that is. See, fulfilling the the will of God begins with fulfilling the want of God. And what we tend to do is with the will of God is we overcomplicate it, right? Well, God, what is your will? I'm gonna fast. Lord, what is your will? What is your will? Listen, don't overcomplicate the will of God. But also don't overlook it. But don't overlook it. This is what James says about the will of God. He says, now listen... You who say, today or tomorrow, we're going to go and do this to this city, that city, spend a year there, carry on business, make money. Why, well, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. <laughs> What's your five-year plan? Why, well, you, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist, a vapor That appears for a little while and then it vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that because he that does the will of God lives forever. So So if you want to be unshakable, if you want to be unshakable, then start asking God, what do you want? What is your will? What do you want, God? What is your will? You know what that is? That's a life of surrender. Yeah. Not, God, will you fix this? God, will you do this for me? I mean, most of your prayers are petition-based. Right. Beloved, have petition-based prayers. Yeah. You should, absolutely. But first, have submission-based yeah. prayers yeah. that we would give before the Lord and say, Lord, nevertheless. Yeah. I'll preach I just did alright embracing the unshakable number one the will of God number two the ways of God see we discover God's will by following his ways that's what I'm saying it's not really complicated how do do you know the will of God you live like Jesus that's the will of God (laughs) right you just do things the way that God would do it no 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 no. but what is God's will for my friends what do you you mean it's like where am I going to work who am I going to marry where am I going to live I'm convinced of Proverbs 3, 6, in all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. In other words, it will be, it will go where it's supposed to go if you're just yielded to the Lord. If you're saying, God, what do you want? What do you want for my life? Yeah. It's not that you're, you're troubled, oh, I just don't know. Just follow his ways live surrendered and God will make sure that you end up where you're supposed to be. See, Jesus revealed God's ways in his posture, right? He showed us how to live. It's God's will that you're meek. It's God's will that you're humble. It's God's will that you're that you're tender with people that are hurting. It's God's will that you pray for the sick. Yes. It's God's will. You don't have to pray about those things. It's what you've already been told. God's already spoken. Yes. Are you solid like Jesus? Do you hate evil and love Jesus? Justice? justice? Are you solid like Jesus, but also are you tender like Jesus? Do you love people? Do you live without offense? That's the will of God. That you are solid like Jesus, but also tender like Jesus. So, the ways of God. Number three, the word of God. The word of God. You want to you live unshakable? then have your life rooted in the word of God. Matthew 7, verse 24. Therefore, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice, so not just a hearer of the word, as James talks about, but a doer also, yeah. who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who built a, his house upon a rock. Then he says this. He says that way when the storms come and they start hitting and it's all shakeable, the house is still there. Why? Because they heard and obeyed the word of Christ. They heard and obeyed what God is saying. Is your life rooted in the word of God? This is why it's so important for you to just read your Bible every day and pray. Why? Because your life needs to be rooted in in not just a book, but the word of God that has endured for thousands of years. And you're you're basing something off a news article that came out last week? That in a, that it's not even really news that it's something that might be falsified in like two weeks, yeah. and this is what we do all the time. We get we get news; it's never been it's never been verified. It's just a rumor. And we go, oh, I need to build my life on this. Right. Uh, right. No wonder you're so unshakable. And then when it comes out in three months later that it was all false, yeah. because your eyes were so fixed on the media yeah. and what everybody else was saying, yeah. and you were rooted in what God says then you're shakable and you're like, Oh, I'm so wrong. <laughs> you feel stupid now. All right. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> and some of you, I, I just want to ask you this question because used to even me, you know, 20 years ago, if you quoted the Bible, like it, okay that settles it it's good okay i got clarity on that now nowadays it's like it doesn't matter what what the bible says but what matters is how people feel wow. we put more stock in how people feel right. than what god says about an issue right we're so consumed with that and we wonder why we're so unshakable do <clears throat> does it even matter to you what god says about it Because you claim to follow Jesus. And if you claim to follow Jesus, then you claim to follow what Jesus followed. Jesus followed the word of God. In fact, Jesus is the word. So you claim to follow the word. Do you care what God says? What does God say about this issue? Have you gotten the word about it? I'm not talking about your favorite preacher. Have you gotten the word about it? You might be inspired by that, but search it out. Seek him out. Seek out his word. God, what do you say about this? God, what do you say about my struggle? What do you say about my issue? What do you say about my finances? What do you say about my health? God, what do you say about it? And don't just take my word for it or some other preacher. For sure not the media. See what God says about it. You want an unshakable life? Then go to the word of God. I I thought he was Lord. I thought his opinion mattered most. So if you come to me and you ask me a question, I'm going to say this is what God says about it. Because Josh Brown has no authority outside of that. The Bible is the authority. The Bible is the authority. And so what we're going to do starting next month, just going to plug a little vision here, if you're okay. So what we're going to do in two weeks from today, we're going to start a campaign. And for the rest of the year, we're going to invest in the book of Mark. We're calling it the good, good news. Not just good news, the good, good news. And we're going to dig deep into the book of Mark, a chapter a week, till the end of the year. It's going to be so hard. I've never done anything that long before. Right, and so we're just—we got little Bibles for you guys. We've got we're, all of our small groups, all of our kids ministry, everybody. We're just gonna go through the Book of Mark. We're gonna—we're gonna encounter Jesus through Mark's Gospel. And we're totally devoted to it. Just hammer it. Every, content every week. We're just going after it. The staff and the leaders just yeah. book of Mark, book of Mark. So when you get to the end of the year, you're gonna have like most of the Book of Mark memorized. Right? You're gonna have this marked up little Bible. You'll be like, what? I remember Jesus said something about that. Oh, there it is. Right? Okay. So we're going to get in on that. Why? Because we value the word of God. We want to know what God says. So if we're going to embrace the unshakable, we've got to get into the will of God. We've got to know the ways of God that's in the will of God, the word of God. That's how we learn of God's ways. Come on. We like Jesus, but not the Bible. Well, then you don't like Jesus. You like a different Jesus. If you don't like the Bible and you like Jesus, it's because you don't like the Jesus of the Bible. That's the real Jesus. Where are you getting your cues? Who Jesus is? (laughs) You just, yeah, like the bracelet. All right. Number four. we will get caught up if we do these things. Listen, we'll get caught up in the wonder of God. And I wasn't even going to add this point in. But listen, more people are so caught up in their current reality, they can't see God in the midst of it. Listen, I'm convinced of this, that if we will get caught up in the beauty of God, if we were to get caught up in the beauty of God, the chaos will seem so small. Because his beauty... It's absolutely fascinating. And so we want to go after the beauty of God. We're going after the beauty of God, the face of God, revealed through Jesus, revealed through the scriptures, revealed in his presence. Like these moments you're having today, we're just gazing at the Lord. Why do you, why do Why Why is Sunday worship the, the thing that people keep telling me? I miss corporate worship. I miss corporate worship. I get the teaching online, but I miss corporate worship. Why? Because that is a moment where we're all gathering together and we're just gazing at the beauty of the Lord. Right. And you're so distracted all the time that it's hard for us to just set that so you love the corporate worship because you put everything away and you just focus on him. And you get lost in his beauty. Yes. Yeah. That's right. And it distracts you from all the junk that's happening. Right. Would our lives be marked by the wonder of God? Yeah and the wonders of God. Habakkuk says this, look at the nations and watch and be utterly amazed. Watch, watch what I'm about to do. For I'm gonna do something in your days that you would not believe even if you were told. Even if somebody told you about it, you wouldn't believe it. It would be such good, good news that you wouldn't believe it. Hannah, would you come up? And so the the key in all this is like, yes, do the will of God, do the will of God, get in the word of God, all that, all that. But listen, not to not to not eliminate his presence, to not eliminate the wonder of God. I love what David said. I will spend the rest of my life gazing. One thing I ask, this is what I seek to gaze at the beauty of the Lord all the days of my life. Why? Why? How could he be unshakable? How could David be unshakable? He knew the only way to be unshakable, and he wasn't unshakable, by the way, but he knew the key to it. The key to it was that I may gaze at the beauty of the Lord all the days of my life, that I may get caught up in his wonders, that I'd be fascinated by his glory. I want to close today with this, with this passage. I'm not going to read it all, but in Romans chapter 4, it's talking about Abraham. We know the story of Abraham, right? God gave Abraham a promise of a child, and then he's an old man. Decades later, still believing in God for the promise. And it says this, against all hope. Yeah. 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 <laughs> against all hope. As some of you today, you're against all hope. The cards are stacked against you. At least you feel that way. And my desire, my want for you today is that you would leave this place with hope. It says in verse 20, Yet he did not waver through unbelief, Regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened. I love what my good friend Neil said a couple weeks ago. He said, what if 2020 was a great year of growth? What if this was the year that everything would just be shaken off and our roots would just grow deep? He did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, but was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God, being fully persuaded, fully persuaded, not partially persuaded, being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Will you stand with me today?